Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Fantastic. Uh, And to all the dads, God bless you. It's great to have you with us. Can we put our hands together for all the dads in this place? And in keeping with Father's Day, it's only fair that we have a dad joke for the day. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick one up from this morning. Uh, there is this uh, panda bear uh, and uh, he goes into a bar and he says to the bartender, I'll have a scotch and Coke. To which the bartender replies, uh, what's with the big paws? And he goes, I don't know, I was born with them. And that's what a dad joke is. You're not laughing at the joke, you're laughing at the dad who tells a joke. And us dads love that. It's just awesome, which reminds me of the Argentinian man with a rubber toe. What's his name? Roberto, rubber toe, Roberto. Anyway, tough crowd, tough crowd. Fantastic. Hopefully the baptisms will go a little bit easier than that for you, Ash. I do love being a dad and we had the privilege this morning of being able to set up a couple of couches and uh, my wife and our two oldest kids joined us up on stage and we just talked about life and family and uh, it was a lot of fun. We learned a lot of things about our kids and you learn a lot of things about our family and uh, that will be on the podcast and you can have a listen to that. But uh, we are, we're not a perfect family, we're far from it, but we are a real family. I think you saw that and hopefully through our being real, uh, it will help and be uh, inspirational to you as you raise children or grandchildren or whatever the case may be. In our time tonight, I want to just share something that I've entitled, What's So Amazing About Grace? We've sung the song many times over the years, Amazing Grace, but I want to just look very quickly tonight about what's so amazing about grace. And then straight after, Ash is going to come back up here and we're going to meet all those who are being baptised tonight. And then they're going to go over there to my left, your right, and they're going to be baptised in that little tank over there. And we're going to have a great night of celebration. How does that sound? But I don't want you to get quiet. This is a time of celebration. This is not a time to get really stuffy and religious. All right. I don't know what your church background is. I don't know if you've had any church background, but I do know this. Everyone has an opinion about church and we're here to break the perception and the opinion that is cultivated around this nation that church is boring, it's untrue and it's irrelevant. That is simply not the case here at this church and many, many other churches around this nation like ours. And we want to be loud and proud about who we serve, who we love and what we believe. So please, please, please feel free to preach back to me as I continue to preach to you. All right. Because what you say about what I say is more important than what I say. You got that? What you actually say about what I'm saying is more important than what I say. What you believe about God's Word is more important than God's Word itself. What you actually believe is really powerful. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Having said all that, I want to say this, that the Bible is not a collection of stories about human heroes. 
No, it's a story about a heroic redeemer and his name is Jesus. And it's he who transforms weak and ordinary people like you, like me, like the heroes that we read about in the Bible and he transforms them by his grace. What do I mean by that? Take a look at Moses. Moses was a man just like you and just like me, but he was not a natural born leader. In actual fact, he pleaded on several occasions with God to choose somebody else. Don't pick him. I don't want to go. And yet with all that stubbornness and all that arguing with God, it's by His grace that He transformed Moses into an incredible leader and led, used Moses to lead God's people out of Egypt. Amen. We see Joshua. He was also a man who was very, very afraid. And in Joshua chapter 1, we read that he was encouraged to be strong and courageous. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times to be strong and courageous. He was a fraidy cat. He was scared. And yet by God's grace, he led the people of God into the promised land. Gideon was another man. He was hiding away in a wine press and he was convinced that God had chosen the wrong man. He went on to say to God, I'm the least of the least. Our family is the least of all the clans. And within our clans, we're the least of the family. And I'm the, I'm the runt of our family. I am the least of the least of the least. You've chosen the wrong man. And yet by God's grace, He led the Israelites in a mighty battle to victory against the Midianites. Samson was another man. He played the fool with a deceitful woman. And yet by God's grace, he brought down the temple of Dagon. David was a lowly shepherd boy and he was overlooked by his family. The prophet Samuel came through one day and said, I'm here to anoint the future king. And David was not even invited to his own coronation. No, they reckoned that he was not the man. And uh, Jesse, David's dad said, surely my oldest son. And if not him, then my second oldest. And if not him, my third oldest. And he didn't even bother coming to get David from the field because surely God had not chosen him. And yet, by God's grace, this little shepherd boy became king of all of Israel. Elijah was a prophet mightily used by God. But you know what? He was so discouraged. He wanted to take his own life. He was just over it. Have, you ever, you, have any of you ever felt like you're just over it? I've had enough. I've had a gutful. Well, Elijah was a man just like you and just like me. And he came to the end of himself and he said, take my life. Just like that, take my life. I've had enough. And yet by God's grace, He went on to do incredible signs, miracles and wonders. We see in the New Testament, a man by the name of Peter, he was the one who denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. He said, I don't even know this guy. In actual fact, he started swearing and cursing and cussing. And yet by God's grace, God raised him up to be a mighty man of God. And on the day of Pentecost, he stood before the crowd and 3,000 people turned and repented and came to Christ. And this man, Peter, was the first church leader of the New Testament church. Paul was another New Testament person who was a persecutor of the church. And he was putting Christians to death. And yet by God's grace, he became a great apostle. And he was the one who wrote one third of the New Testament. All of these people were ordinary. Everyone say ordinary. ordinary. 
They were just ordinary people, just like you and just like me. They were weak. They were fearful. They were deceived and they were disloyal. They doubted as much as they trusted. None of them were human heroes and yet all of them accomplished great things for God. What was the difference? It comes down to one word and that difference is grace. You see, Grace truly is amazing. We've read books about the amazing grace. We've sung songs about this amazing grace. And that's why tonight I wanna talk about just what is so amazing about grace. And to do that and to hone in on that more specifically, I wanna tell you a story. And it's one of the stories that Jesus told when He was here some 2,000 years ago. Jesus was a brilliant communicator. And what made Him such a brilliant communicator is He was a great storyteller. And to all the dads out there on this Father's Day, I wanna say don't overlook or underestimate the power of you spending time with your kids at night on the bed and telling them stories. It's one of the greatest privileges we as fathers in particular have in grooming and fashioning and growing our children in the ways of God. And so Jesus told many, many stories. And this one is found in the book of Luke and in chapter 15. He actually told three stories in Luke chapter 15. I wanna look at one of them. And it's known to many of us as the prodigal son. Personally, I think it's more about the good father than the prodigal son. But bear with me, if you will. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to it. If not, look up on the screen and follow me. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one, and we learnt this morning, that the younger one is the favoured son, apparently. That's what we just learnt this morning. But anyway, that's another point. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after, the young man, uh, the young son, got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth with wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country who uh, sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. What's so amazing about grace? Well, many things. I want to look at three 
tonight. The first thing I want to look at is simply this, that grace gives me, it gives you what we do not deserve. What makes grace so amazing is that we get what we do not deserve. We see in this story that Jesus told and with every story that Jesus told, it had a point. And uh, this is one incredible point that this son did not deserve the favour that he received from his father. His son was out there having squandered his inheritance and he found himself as a Jewish man in a pig pen hoping to eat the food that the pigs were eating. He wasn't allowed to eat the pigs, but he just wanted the pig food. It's a crazy situation to be in. And here he is thinking, man, I am starving to death. And it was in that moment, he came to his knees. And as his knees hit the ground, he came to his senses. And it was there that he had this idea, this thought, this epiphany, this revelation that I've got to go home. And so he started out. And as you can imagine, and maybe you've had to do this, as you're thinking, I, I, I've got to face the person that uh, you know, I did wrong by. And so you, you're running the scenario in your head over and over. What am I going to say? What's he going to say to what I'm going to say? And how am I going to respond to him? And so he's nursing and rehearsing. He's play rolling what he's going to say and what he's going to do. And uh, as he's doing this, He's become blinded to the fact that from a long distance, his father has been watching and waiting for his return. And as he's playing it over in his head, over and over and over again, the father just starts running towards his son. And I picture it that as the, son got the father got closer and closer to the son, the son looked up, saw his father and then started a panic as he sees his dad running towards him. Think about it. If you've just taken your inheritance and you've squandered it and you're going home now and your dad's running towards you, what are you thinking? He's thinking, oh my God, he's angry. He's going to rip my head off. Because intrinsically, this man would have known that's what I deserve. I deserve to be ridiculed. I deserve punishment. I've wasted my inheritance. I'm no good. I'm unworthy. And to his surprise, he did not get what he deserved. His dad came up to him and just wrapped his arms around him. And I can imagine again, your dad's running towards you. He wraps his arms around you. You're thinking, oh my, he's going to give me the biggest squeeze and he's going to crack my back and put me to sleep forever. Because that's what I deserve. But the dad didn't do that. The dad just started hugging him and loving him, and putting kisses on him. The kid was shocked. He's like, dad, 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 I've sinned. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Do you know this story has a number of points, but you can't read this story without placing yourself in the shoes of this young man. This young man recognised his sinful ways. But the Bible says that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's holy standard. And it was in this place of sin that he found himself starving to death. And that's always where sin leads. It leads to our 
death. And this is where the amazing grace comes in. While we deserve death, while we deserve punishment, God in his love wants to wrap his arms around us and place a kiss on us and let him know and reaffirm his unconditional love. The grace of God in its simplest understanding is simply unmerited favour. We don't do anything to deserve it. Grace is not something you earn. It's not a wage that we get because we've done something good. It's not like we help an old lady across the road and and, and that that puts um, money in our grace bank. No, no, no. You don't do anything to deserve grace. It's a gift. It's not a wage that we do to earn. It's simply a gift. What makes grace so amazing is that grace gives us what we don't deserve. Who's glad that we don't get what we deserve? Amen. The second thing I love about grace is that grace accepts me as I am. Grace accepts you and I as we are right here, right now. This son, having spent all his money, was now broke, poor, destitute. He was grubby, dirty, unkept, smelly. And it was in this state that he comes to his father. And as he looked at his dad and said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The dad's response is so profound and so amazing. Effectively, the dad looked at his son and said, you may be grubby. You may be a little bit on the nose. You may have wasted all your money. You may have done some harmful and regretful things. But every time you were doing those things, you never stopped being my son. God created you and I. We are His sons and daughters. And no matter what we do and what we've done and what we've been up to, it doesn't change the fact that we are God's children. And He wants us as part of His family. Does anyone out there have a $20 bill or a any, a note of any description out there that you could quickly hand me right now? Anybody? Anybody? Do we actually have money on us these days? Oh, Riley does. Well done. It's only five bucks. That's fine. <laughs> Cheapskate, but that's fine. <laughs> but to further prove my point, if I take this $5 bill, how, how many know how much, how, how much this is worth? It's not a trick question. The $5 note is worth $5. What about if I use it to buy drugs? Does it change the value? If this gets into the hands of a drug dealer, if this gets into the hands of a prostitute, if this gets into the hands of of some ungodly, unkind person who wants to do harm, does it change the value? What about if I screw it up? Does it change the value? What about if I throw it on the floor? And, and stamp on it and, and, and just get it a little bit, a little bit dirty. 
Does that change its value? It's still $5. If that is true for this particular note, no matter what you've done and no matter where you've been and no matter who you've been hanging around with, And no matter how smelly you are and how on the nose you are and what it is that you've been saying or doing, your value doesn't change. It never ceases to amaze me. People say, Pastor, you you don't know what I've been up to. And you would be right. I, I don't have a crystal ball and I'm certainly not stalking you. You are right. I don't know what you've been up to. But here's the good news. God does. God knows everything you've been up to. He knows everything you've been saying. He knows who you've been hanging around with. He knows what you've been doing with your money. He knows what you've been looking at on the internet. And the whole time He knows this to be true, that your value does not change. You are His Son. The grace of God is so amazing. Not just because it gives us what we don't deserve, but because it accepts us For who we are. God is willing to accept you and me as we are right here, right now. The Bible says it this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think there's a notion out there that if we get good enough, we might get God's attention. Now, God wasn't waiting for us to be good enough. The reason He came is because we are not good enough. It's because we were struggling. And the reason we struggle is because every one of us is flawed in some way or another. We are flawed. And the reason we get so disappointed with people is because we hope that they will be able to be something that we lack. And then we find out that they are flawed. And so we're disappointed with people. The great thing about God is He is perfect in every way. And He wants to come into our life and to lead us and to guide us and to give us His grace. And just like Moses and Joshua and Gideon and David and all those what we call heroes of the faith, they were ordinary men, but God graced their life. And I believe God wants to grace your life and He wants to grace my life. And that's what I love about grace. Grace gives us what we don't deserve and grace accepts us as we are. And as the band come up here, my last point is simply this, that grace puts the extra into your ordinary. What's so amazing about grace? That grace puts the extra into your ordinary. When this son returned home, the dad didn't just forgive him. The dad didn't just accept him, but the dad adorned him and clothed him and robed him and fed him. He put rings on his fingers, he put bells on his toes and he gave him the best fattened calf. He gave this young man what he was lacking. This young man hadn't had a good feed and the father was able to provide a good feed. He didn't have nice clothes and the father was able to provide the nice nice clothes. That's what grace does. It gives us what we lack. It puts the extra into our ordinary. It puts the super into our natural. Grace is not just unmerited favour. Grace is the supernatural power to do what we otherwise could not do. When we read the Word of God and Jesus brings some challenges our way, it's so easy to look at that and think, that's unfair. Come on, let's be honest. Have you ever read the Bible? You can't do that. I mean, Jesus, He says, you've heard it said to love your friends and your neighbours. I tell you, 
to love your enemies. And I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me and you've read that, you think you can't do that. I mean, loving your, loving your family can be hard enough at times. But your enemies are like, Jesus, what are you on? What are you smoking? I mean, come on. And if you've come to the conclusion that that's impossible, you'd be absolutely right. And that's the place and the revelation that we're meant to come to. We can't do it. And that's where grace comes in. Because what we can't do in our own strength, grace wants to come in and take over. And so when we can't love our enemies, grace comes in and we find we can actually do what Jesus said. Grace is the supernatural power to do what we can't do naturally. These men and women that are about to go through the waters of baptism, they're not perfect people. They are flawed people. People who mess up just like you and just like me. But tonight, as they go through the waters of baptism, they are acknowledging that they are surrendering their life to a higher power, to a stronger power, to a wiser power, to a power that's able to forgive them. And that power has a name. And His name is Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross and He died for our sins. And He rose again on the third day, proving He was in fact who He said He was. It's one thing to say that you're the Messiah. It's one thing to say that you're gonna beat death and cheat death. Anybody can say that, but the proof's in the pudding. And effectively on the third day, when the disciples went to that tomb and saw it was empty and later that night, Jesus appeared before them and He effectively said, I told you so. And the disciples were shocked. And Jesus' resurrection proves He is who He says He is. And when we go through the waters of baptism, we identify ourselves with the life of Christ. We go into the water and that's representative of our dying to ourselves, dying to the old way of life. And as we come up, we unite ourselves with the resurrected Christ and we live a new life and we live an empowered life and we live a life that has been tainted and painted and lavished with His grace. These are not perfect people on trial for us to judge. These are people who have been blessed and touched and loved by the Creator God. And they're walking in His grace. And it's His grace that helps us in our journey to follow Christ and to serve Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 